This episode of On the Hop News is brought to you by Thinking Baseball, the only educational baseball app for coaches and players that allows users to see, hear, and touch the plays as they happen. Narrated by a legendary baseball broadcaster, Pat Hughes, and powered by a groundbreaking database, Thinking Baseball puts you on the diamond. Whether you're the cutoff man on a hit to the outfield or the first baseman trailing the batter on a sure double, everyone on the field has a job to do on every play. Learn to do it better with Thinking Baseball. Visit thinkingbaseball.com or download the free app from the Apple Store or Google Play today. It's time to get your head in the game. Today is April 17th, 2019, and this is Wednesday's edition of On the Hop. Good morning, good morning, baseball enthusiasts. Welcome to On The Hop, a daily baseball podcast focused on delivering up-to-date news from around the league. Yes, it is hump day, and this is your daily baseball report. Let's get to it. In a piece co-written by the Athletics' Andrew Baggerly and Eno Saras, the San Francisco Giants organization is considering making some changes to Oracle Park. These changes would include moving in the fences in right field, which would more than likely render the term triples alley meaningless, and moving the bullpens from foul territory to behind the wall. Here is a full excerpt from Giants president Farhan Zaidi. Do not expect the bricks to come tumbling down next week. Any change the Giants make to the dimensions, major or minor, would receive a full workup from the analytics team, an architectural study or three, and input from all levels of the organization. We're a long way from having real traction and momentum on this issue, so there would be a lot more we have to do. Objectively, how would it impact the type of game played in our park? We'd want to look at how it would affect us organizationally now and going forward. But at this point, for practical issues like the bullpens or broader long-range philosophical or strategic issues about where the game is going, I think we're at least opening up the discussion on it. I've always felt that having some idiosyncrasies to your home ballpark should play to your benefit because you have the opportunity to build your roster to take advantage of it. You have the ability to draft and develop players in a way that their style of play is conducive to winning in that environment. There is video proof that Mets pitcher Noah Syndergaard appears to be rubbing a foreign substance on the baseball during Monday night's game against the Phillies. The Mets pitcher is seen rubbing two fingers ever so slightly on the base of his glove. Of course, we all know that this is an illegal gesture according to the MLB rulebook section 6.02, subsection C, subsection 4, 3.14, square root of 17. While it's a little tough to see what Syndergaard is doing exactly, it is suspicious since there is no real reason to place two fingers into your glove in this fashion. Earlier last week, Archer was suspected of using pine tar, which was placed conveniently on his jersey hidden near his belt. I know this is illegal, but should it be? I'm not saying let pitchers use anything they want, but when you eliminate all possible solutions to getting a better grip on the ball, it is natural for people to find a loophole or a way to get an advantage. And I'm not saying that this is necessarily right, but more of a reality. I vote that you allow certain MLB-approved substances for pitchers to use, and it could, it could be a deterrent from these issues happening. According to Bleacher Report, Major League Baseball launched an investigation into racist messages sent to Chicago Cubs relief pitcher Carl Edwards Jr. on social media before he was demoted to the AAA Iowa Cubs on April 6th. On Tuesday, Patrick Mooney of The Athletic reported the comments caught the attention of MLB, the Cubs, and the MLB Players Association. We are aware of the situation, a league spokesperson told Mooney. We have a team that works with social media companies to take appropriate action in situations like this. This is absolutely pathetic. 
that fans, people who have no skin in the game or real investment in the team's business or outcome, really, resort to such tactics. Yes, Edwards is struggling this season, but we're better than this. We need to be. I honestly would not be surprised if this delightful little messenger receives a lifetime ban from any MLB stadium. IL Updates Another shoulder has plagued the Brewers' rotation. Freddie Peralta has been placed on the 10-day IL with an apparent problem with a particular joint. That's as specific as it gets. Peralta's spot will be filled by right-hander Aaron Wilkerson, but there's also a bit of good news to level things out. Jeremy Jeffries has been activated and returned to the field last night, but did not pitch. Nonetheless, he's excited to be back. He says, just the feeling of walking into the stadium electrifies me a little bit. I'm pumped. I'm glad to be back. The Cardinals announced today that outfielder Tyler O'Neill and righty Mike Mayers are both headed onto the 10-day injured list. O'Neill suffered an ulnar serve subluxation, say that five times fast, and his right elbow, while Mayers has a strained lat. The severity of the injuries is unknown, but it is expected that both could require potential extended absences. Three players have been called up to fill the gaps left behind. The New York Yankees place first baseman Greg Bird on the 10-day injured list due to a left plantar fascia tear, a move dating back to Sunday. Bird's numbers have been abysmal so far this season, but Yankees reporter for the Athletics tweets out that if they can squeeze out just about anything out of his replacement Mike Ford, it will be an offensive upgrade. Blake Snell has been placed on the injured list due to giving it his all in his last pitching performance and single-handedly winning the game. Nope, not how it happened at all. Mark Topkin of the Tampa Bay Times has the real scoop. Ray's Snell said he was getting out of the shower Sunday night, decided to then move a decorative stand in the bathroom that he didn't realize was in two parts, and as he lifted it, the bottom piece, made of granite, fell on his right foot. That fourth toe is a bruised red mess. Snell is off to a solid start in the 2019 campaign and will be eligible to return on April the 24th. Quick takes. According to USA Today Sports MLB columnist Bob Nightingale, there is a reason why the announcement of the venue for the 2026 All-Star Game came so early. Commissioner Rob Manfred says that MLB wanted to announce the 2026 All-Star Game for Philadelphia this early out of respect to the great David Montgomery, the Phillies' beloved chairman who was battling cancer and was too ill to attend the ceremony. This is a very noble gesture from our commissioner. According to ESPN, New York Mets announcer Ron Darling's surgery to remove a chest mask went well. SNY Studio Analysis and former Mets player Todd Zeal is filling in for Darling during his medical leave. As stated earlier this week, if there are no complications, Darling will be back in the booth in May. According to David Hill over at calltothepen.com, the weigh-in Chen era in Miami has not gone as planned. The Marlins signed Chen to a five-year deal worth $80 million. He was supposed to be a formidable force in the Marlins lineup and pick up some slack in the rotation after the untimely passing of Jose Fernandez. Chen has had only 35 appearances in his first two seasons, and his lackluster spring training cost him his spot in the rotation, making him a very expensive long reliever. Chen was an Oriole, and I was very worried that the club was going to spend a lucrative amount of money on keeping an unproven player. When I say unproven, I mean more than one year of success. It is good to know that all decisions coming out of Baltimore aren't a dumpster fire. According to NBC Sports, the Phillies showed up big time against the Mets last night. They batted around and then some, plating 10 runs against Steven Matz and Drew Gagnon. Matz was on the hook for eight runs, six of those earned, and failed to retire a batter. The Mets' defense committed three errors. 
The 10 runs are the most the Phillies have scored in the first inning since plating a franchise record 12 runs against the Nationals on April 8, 2017, and it's the most the Mets have allowed in the first inning since July 19, 1988 against the Reds. According to ESPN, on the heels of a disappointing five-run, four-inning shelling at Houston last week, and with his first foray into the Yankees-Red Sox rivalry looming this week, the Southpaw Paxton felt compelled in recent days to chat with the psychologist not once, but twice. The result? A 12-strikeout, two-hitter across eight masterful innings was evidence of just how much it helped. That's a nice little pick-me-up for Paxton, as well as the ailing Yankees. Yelich continues to amaze and destroy Cardinals pitching. He belted a three-run home run off Ryan Helsley in the fifth inning of yesterday's game. 89% of Yelich's home runs have come against the Cardinals. I actually did the math. It wasn't that hard, but I just want you to know that I'm diligent. Again, according to ESPN, a Los Angeles Dodgers fan sued the team on Tuesday, alleging he was roughed up by security guards and broke an ankle during a game last year while trying to use the bathroom. The lawsuit said he went to the game with the woman who accidentally spilled beer on another fan. The irate fan called security and the friend was asked to leave. According to the negligence and battery lawsuit, the fan accompanied her, but on the way out, he tried to use a restroom and was grabbed by security who had told him to use another restroom much further away. Cell phone and surveillance video shows a number of security personnel grabbing the fan while his friend yells, hey, he's going to the restroom. Let the man pee. Carlos Zambrano, former Cubs pitcher, has landed a contract playing baseball again. The independent baseball team located in Rosemont, the Chicago Dogs, have announced that they have signed Zambrano, and it seems they are actually serious that he can make a comeback. An effective one at that. Carlos is now 37 years old, but hasn't pitched in the U.S. since 2013. If he is a little rusty and perhaps hits a player or two, let's just hope he doesn't quit in the middle of the inning to down a couple of hot dogs. According to the Chicago Tribune, White Sox outfielder Daniel Polka went 0-3 last night to extend his hitless streak to 32 at-bats since opening day. Polka is now 0-34 since last season, tied with Jim Landis for the fourth longest hitless streak by a position player in White Sox history. I believe this almost makes him 0-41 in plate appearances. Now, how depressing would that be? If Chris Davis broke the record for something you never want to have a record for, and then it gets broken soon after. It's like this. Hey, I'm the best. I'm the best at being the worst. Oh, oh wait, I, I'm not the best at that anymore. So then I'm I'm just the worst. Our friends over at Turn a Pair Podcast tweeted the following story out Monday in which the Lansing Lugnuts, Class A affiliate of the Blue Sox, will be hosting a purge night tomorrow, April 18th. Of course, this one doesn't involve bloodshed, thank goodness, but during one random inning, the club will sound the purge siren and all concessions, excluding alcohol, of course, will be free for that half inning. I really hope, I really hope someone gets a recording of this. And finally, the Georgia Bulldogs defeat the Clemson Tigers 3-2 in the bottom of the 20th. The game lasted six hours and 35 minutes and had a combined 50 strikeouts. That'll do it for me. This has been Wednesday's edition of On the Hop News. And remember, things could be worse. Suppose your errors were counted and published every day like those of a baseball player. Talk with you tomorrow.